0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Bench Busted FPL. We are back once again for the 2022-23 FPL season. I am your host for the week, Jack, and as always... I'm joined by Nick. Nick, it's been a while. We haven't done our pre-season content that we have done for the last couple of seasons, but we're back. There's just over a week left until the Game Week 1 deadline. How are you, dude? How you been? Well, I've been great. I've
1: taken a break from football in general. I actually really haven't been following it very much at all over sort of the last month or two, and that's really good. I'm getting into the zone now where I want to look at my team and think about it. I don't know there's a lot of decisions to make and and frankly the more like you browse social media the more confused you'll make yourself because everyone has an opinion everyone has a hot take and everyone wants everyone to click their content as well so a lot of the times you know you can make stats say whatever you want stats to say so I think this year is the year of the go with your gut I'm I'm going to do a lot more watching football this year pick players that I think are good and not go for picks that I've been told are good and see where it goes It's is where I'm at at the moment with my sort of uh initial draft team I suppose
0: so I'm feeling pretty good Jack how are you how's your break been? It's been okay you know obviously the FPL game came out what like three or four weeks ago now I think it was towards the start of July so it has been out for for quite some time I think obviously a lot of people were getting a bit tetchy about when FPL would be released because you know people were bringing up previous seasons and when the game has been released in relation to when the actual season has started I... I didn't really pay too much attention to that. I was off the thinking that it would be released about a month before the actual start of the season. And lo and behold, that's exactly what happened. So, you know, I enjoyed the time away from FPL. But as you say, you know, we're getting down to the nitty gritty now. As I said earlier, there's only about a week or so left until the official Premier League season kicks off. Of course, it's kicking off on the Friday, the 5th of August. Um, as you say, you know, we have had a couple of weeks to sort of mess around with our initial drafts. I managed to get my team ID, I think it was like 7,000. I don't think you were as keen as I was in terms of getting FPL ID. And of course, it doesn't really count for anything unless you end up with the same amount of points as someone come the end of the season. Then it does go based on your FPL ID. But yeah, we're just going to get straight into it. Nick, what is your game week one preseason draft currently looking
1: like? Well, I'll tell you what it's looking like, but I'll... I'll also tell I think I'll, spend, I'll, I'll tell you what my strategy is at the moment if that makes sense because at the moment I guess the, the the headline is that I haven't got Salah in my draft I've got triple Liverpool triple City possibly quadruple City which I'll explain um and one or two Spurs players and and so sort of the idea is that I'm picking the two premiums that I think are going to perform the best um which is Son and Haaland and that is in the context of knowing that, that Liverpool players are all really, really good value. So um, I'm always picking, yeah, it's hard to explain, but I basically picked two premiums that aren't Salah because I want three other Liverpool players as well. Um, so I've got Trent, I've got Robbo, and I've got Luis Diaz, who I think are all going to be very, very strong picks this season. Although I'm a bit worried about Trent. I think he dropped off towards the end of last season. That hasn't really been spoken about or mentioned in, in some of the things that I've looked at, but I haven't looked at a whole lot. So he's he, he's one to sort of keep an arm, but I think Robertson is is fire and absolutely essential. And I think if you don't own him, you're even taking the game seriously. Um, so that's my triple Liverpool. Um, I've currently got Grealish, Cancelo, Haaland, and I'll say this as well, Kukurea, just in case he moves to Man City. Because again, I'm thinking that early on in the season, especially at the start, teams are going to be nailed. There's not a lot of rotation. And I want the te- I want the players from the best teams. That's as simple as that. So my whole team is set up to get as many players from the best teams or the, the, uh, as possible. So having three or four Man City players, three Liverpool players, and a couple of Spurs players, who I think will probably also round out the top three, is my move. So if Kukurea doesn't make it, Doherty, probably the next best pick for me, who I think is nailed, despite, again, what I've seen online. As for the other three slots, um, because I think everyone has the same sort of bench with, with the classic budget options that have emerged, I've got Rea in goal, I saw a piece of analysis that suggested that he was quite good points per minutes or he was like when he plays he's, he's quite good value especially with the amount of saves he makes and and looking at Brentford's fixtures after their first two I felt good about that. Uh, Pedro Neto because it's very hard to find a 5.5 million midfielder and, and he sort of fits the bill enough in that Wolves we'll have good fixtures and it's not just me that thinks that as well. I thought I was going for something wild with Neto, but it seems like everyone else is on him. So he could become Podence, who's the same price. And you know, I like Podence more. He moves like Hazard, Jack. He moves like Hazard. <laughs> uh, and then recently, I, I guess I was tinkering and I've I found a way to fit Gabriel Jesus up front alongside Haaland in this team. And he's a player that I definitely don't rate. Uh, I think he's quite a poor finisher, but I think he's in there based on fixtures alone. And I would be very happy to ship him out if he wasn't performing or or at the end of his good fixture run or Arsenal's good fixture run. That's sort of where I'm at. I'm liking Son and Haaland because I think Son will score similar points to Salah. And I think Luis Diaz will score a lot more points than like Kulusevski or Madison um, in the 8 million bracket. And I think he's someone that I want. And I like Grealish because Sterling's been sold. Grealish was very good at sort of 7 million-ish before when he played for Villa, but now he plays for Man City and he's trained and he's saying really good things about his relationship with Haaland and he's going to run into the box and get fouled a lot. I don't know. That just feels like a pretty good combination for me. So um, that's a really, really, really quick browse through my team. I think you're going to introduce yours in a second and talk about all of the conundrums you're having, in which case I'll probably give some of the input and talk about some of the conundrums I've faced. But haven't given it too much thought. I just thought that maybe Salah would have a slower start than people are predicting, so I, I haven't gone with him. That's about it. Fire away, Jack. Tell me about your team or ask any questions. Let's uh, see where we're going.
2: I think it's very much similar to you in a lot of the areas of the pitch. Um, I do have Raya in goal as well. Trent is pretty much a, a lock for me. The issue that I'm having is so I do have three Liverpool players on my team. One of the issues I'm sort of having, obviously you maybe have it a bit easier because you're not going... With Salah. But I am. So I've got Salah and Trent. And I think that those two are, are pretty much locked in my team at the moment. But I'm I'm sort of finding it difficult to choose between the likes of Luis Diaz and Robertson. I've been flip-flopping between the both of them for like the last week or so. You know, I think double Liverpool defence is by no means a bad thing. We've seen it with Robertson and Trent over the last God knows how many seasons that they've been at Liverpool. They always produce the goods. They always get forward and bomb down the flanks and they always put crosses in the box and occasionally pop up with a goal. So I think going with Robertson over Luis Diaz is by no means a, a bad thing. I currently have Diaz in my team. I obviously have Cancelo because, you know, Trent and Cancelo, they both scored over 200 points last season. There's not really much more you can ask for. I think a lot of people before the game launched. We're expecting uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Cancelo to come in. You know, maybe point five higher each. Trent at eight million and Cancelo at seven point five. But I think even at those price
0: points, they'd probably be you know still good value in terms of their attacking output. The other two spots in my defence, I've currently got Reece James in there. Although the way that Chelsea have been performing in pre-season and the way that Tuchel has been utilising Reece James as a right-sided centre back, it makes me sort of wary to go with Reese James over the likes of Chilwell. Both of them priced at the exact same price point, 6.0. I don't know. It's going to be a toss of a coin, whether or not I even decide to to go with one of the two. Maybe I can find value elsewhere. I do have Ivan Perisic in there as well to complete the back four. I am going with a four four two, 2 so that is the back four. Perisic, again, one of those players that, yes, he's done well under Conte before, but he has been one of those players that has been subject to, you know, early substitutions at times when he was under Antonio Conte at Inter Milan. And he's had very limited minutes in Spurs' <laughs> preseason so far. So, again, he's one on my sort of may or may not make it into my Game Week 1 squad list, as well as Rhys James. I have gone with Pedro Neto as well, alongside Salah and Luis Diaz. I think Neto as well. I think uh, Jimenez... Has picked up an injury in one of their preseason games yesterday, and he is looking like he's going to be out for you know anywhere between six to eight weeks at the start of the season. So, yes, I know that Huang Yi Chan last season has filled into that spot, but I do think that at times last season, you know, Pedro Neto was playing in a front two alongside the likes of Rao Jimenez. So I think going with Neto, as you said earlier as well, it's really difficult to try and find a midfielder who isn't a 4.5 but isn't as expensive as some of the other players in that position as well. And I think 5.5 for Pedro Neto is an absolute steal. Yes, you could choose to go with Podence, but I just think that Neto, and the way that he's been in preseason as well, I think he's scored three goals. got a couple of assists as well. He's looked on it. My fourth midfielder spot, it's really an open spot at the moment, depending on how I decide to move the money around in my team. It's currently with Marcus Rashford. Now, there's going to be a lot of questions about that Man United side based on how poorly they did last season. And, you know, Rashford, I think, has taken the biggest price drop out of any player in FPL. He's gone down from 9.5 to 6.5. I think there's a lot of value to be found in that Man United side. And 6.5 million, if he looks like he's going to be starting consistently under Eric Ten Hag, then there's definitely, definitely value to be found there. And, I mean, my front two is exactly the same as yours, Gabriel Jesus and done. I've been on Gabriel Jesus for a lot longer than you have, that's for sure. And, honestly, I think £8 million for Gabriel Jesus certainly looks like a, a very good deal. There's still question marks about whether or not Saka will still be on penalties now that Jesus is there. It remains to be seen. If if Jesus is nailed on penalties and he's going to be that penalty taker for Arsenal, then 100% he's a lock in my team. With Haaland
2: I, I get it. He scored the only goal in the one 0 win against Bayern Munich in his first preseason game for Man City. I'm just having doubts about whether or not to go
0: with him in my Game Week One team. Purely because I think that Kane has just looked a lot better and Spurs as a whole have looked a lot better in preseason, in my opinion. And that link up with Son, the additions that Spurs have made in the transfer window as well. And and, and you know what you're getting with Kane, you know, someone who's going to pretty much play 90 minutes week in, week out, is on penalties. And I know that there's that myth going around about how he never scores in August. He sort of wiped that away, to be honest, because I don't think he actually scored last season. But then again, we had a delayed start to the season. So there weren't as many games in August. But certainly prior to that, you know, he definitely likes to score, whether it be in August, come the end of the season or or over the Christmas period. Kane is someone who is going to get you a goal or two week in, week out, and you know what you're getting with him. And like I say, it's the first time that they've had, that Spurs have had a full preseason under Antonio Conte, and they've just looked on it. Him and Son, different class, to be honest. It's really difficult not going with a Spurs attacker in the opening week. Certainly that that Southampton at home game in the game week one looks very, very appealing. Haaland faces West Ham away, and then, of course, I think City do have Bournemouth at home in their second game. If I was to go without Haaland that say he does put
2: in a good performance against West Ham. I wouldn't be too, like, upset if I booked in a transfer already, going with Kane in game week one, who then faces Chelsea in game week two, and then just doing the swap from Kane to Haaland. I think the only thing that's sort of put me off of that, and I know it shouldn't really factor into anything, but you've got to manage your risks when it comes to FPL. And Haaland being 58%, 60% owned at the moment, You know that if he does well in that first game, everyone who's gone with Kane is going to panic and go to Haaland. And I think that he could certainly see a price increase. But on the flip side, he could see a price drop if
0: people see him not do well. Maybe he picks up a bit of an injury. Maybe he doesn't even start in that first game away from home against West Ham. Who knows? But I think with Kane, you know, you do have that option to switch between the two. As you say, I mean, my bench, 4.0 goalkeeper, Neko Williams, Andreas Pereira, and Greenwood at the moment so that's that's what it is that's where I'm at at the moment and as I said there are certainly a couple of positions where I'm toing and throwing between a select few players I would ideally like to have two eight million pound midfielders but that is going to be very difficult unless I take some money out of my defense purely based on the fact that the 8.0 price bracket for midfielders I think there are seven players in that price bracket and I think if you have two it gives you a better chance to sort of change between a few of them whereas if you've only got one which you and I have at the moment then it's a bit more difficult to try and get on to a different player without just doing a straight swap between your 8.0 million midfielders so that's where I'm at I would like to say I'm probably 80% certain of what my game me one squad will be but there's still a week or so left for me to tinker and we've got the community shield coming up this weekend as well which will certainly give you know, people who are looking at the likes of Haaland, a good opportunity to see, A, does he start? B, how well does he play against Liverpool? Arguably the team that City are going to be competing with for the title once again. And uh, yeah, I think that that, if Haaland puts in a good display, then I think that that certainly makes up the mind for a lot of FPL managers.
1: Yeah, it it does, especially seeing as Man City have just not played a lot, as far as I can tell, during pre-season. I think it's interesting because... You're talking about the 8 million price bracket. I, I, I've seen, so I had a little look at what's gone on online and what people have been talking about and discussing. And big at the back, as always, has reared really its ugly head again. There's a big problem with big at the back as a sort of a, an idea. And it's that people don't really appreciate the difference between a 4.5 million defender and a 7 mil defender and a 4.5 million midfielder and a 7 mil midfielder in that Like you get a lot of bang for your buck with defenders, regardless of who they are, right? They just don't score a shitload of points. Whereas with midfielders, as you say, like it's very hard to find like good picks in that sort of range. Like we've got Neto. I was thinking maybe like Harrison at six million, Rashford at 6.5. Like these aren't the greatest of options. And sometimes it's better to take your money out of your defenders. And get defenders that are cheaper, but you still know are dependable. So you can also get midfielders that you know are dependable too, rather than having to take punty picks on Neto, um, which is what I sort of am doing and what everyone's doing. I don't even
0: think that Neto is that much of a punty pick. If I'm being completely honest with you, I think. Do you think it's like? Do you think he's good? Do you think he's? Reasonable? I know. Certainly, last season he was plagued by injuries. Right, I, I understand that. But certainly, if he can stay fit for the majority of this season, as I mentioned, Jimenez being out for the first six to eight game weeks certainly does, you know, add another feather to his uh, arrow, as it were. I don't even know what that saying is anymore. But uh, I think it's feather to his cap. Feather to his uh, cap. Oh, another whatever. Another arrow to his quiver. There we go. Whatever. But certainly it makes him a more appealing option. And as you say, you know, the sort of 5.5 million midfielder bracket is very, very limited. Yes, you could go down and drop him down and save a million and go with a 4.5. But I feel like certainly this season, more so than than other seasons... You know, going with five at the back or four at the back. Normally, FPL managers and the favoured formations would be three-five-two or three-four-three, as we have seen over the past couple of seasons. But now, certainly going with a four-four-two, I think it gives you that flexibility as well. Um, you know, so you can go with the sort of two or three staple defenders from sides that have a good defensive record, certainly over the last couple of seasons, and yeah if you if you can find that budget enabling midfielder we always talk about it year on year out we're always looking for a budget friendly midfielder who is going to start more often than not and is going to pick up points here or there and I think Neto certainly a player that falls into that price bracket it just makes it a bit more difficult certainly for me I've got a 5.5 and a 6.5 in Neto and Rashford I know you've got Grealish as well so moving from Grealish to say you know say if Grealish doesn't start or whatever and you know Marez is looking like the more nailed on of the two it's less difficult for you to move to Mahrez than it would be for someone like me to move to Mahrez certainly if Luis Diaz is is delivering the goods as well for Liverpool so I I also think that in terms of big at the back I understand why a lot of people are doing it because I think that there is certainly a lot of value comparatively speaking uh, to the midfielders I've seen a lot of people going with double Liverpool, maybe even double City and one Chelsea or double Chelsea and one City asset. And you know what you're getting with the wing backs. You know what you're getting with Trent. You know what you're getting with Robertson, Cancelo, James and Chilwell. Maybe a bit wait to see and see how they do because I think that Tuchel has certainly been playing around with you know four at the back, five at the back, playing Rich James as a right side of centre back as I mentioned before. Chelsea still need to I think, prove to me that they are going to be as defensively solid as they have been over the last couple of seasons. We'll see how it goes. I don't think bigger back is the worst idea, certainly when there are, you know, limited options in the midfield if you're going with that two premium. Maybe some people might be going with three premiums as well. So you want to find value in the midfield to be able to have a defense who is going to be getting you points consistently. I know that you've got Luis Diaz and Robertson. But a question that I have to you, if you had to pick between the two of them, who would you go for? I'd go for Robertson, without a shadow of a doubt. Like,
1: I get that I've just made a point about how you don't need to go big at the back and you can find value elsewhere. But Robertson was just having such a phenomenal time after Luis Diaz came into the team. He was doing different things. I think he's actually a better option than Trent. I think that the way that Liverpool were playing after Diaz came to the team with Robertson, making more central runs into the box and looking to cross it and score a lot more frequently um, from sort of, well, not to do, not looking to do it a lot more frequently but just doing it a lot closer to goal um, which, as we know, the closer you are to goal the more likely you are to score meant that, for me, I think Robertson is probably the second if, if, you, if you think Salah is the best Liverpool asset and I think he probably is because I think he's probably going to score the most points for Liverpool and you have to have a really good reason not to have him I think Robertson is the second best asset. So for me, it's Robertson. I think he's better than Trent. He's also cheaper than Trent. And and then it's Trent and then it's Luis Diaz. So I've actually picked two, three and four from Liverpool because I think that they're so far ahead of the other players um, for other teams that the difference between like Salah and Son, both financial and point-wise, is is something that plays for me. So I my answer to you is Robertson, Jack, and it's Robertson unequivocally. And I've always rated him. And I continue, I will continue to rate him for probably the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, fair enough, mate. It's certainly, again, a decision for me that I think is pretty much going to come down to the toss of a coin, if I'm being completely honest, because wow. I mean, I'm I'm not physically going to toss a coin. I think I am going to weigh up the decision in my head rather than just leave it down to lady luck. But I think that that's one of the sort of areas that I'm looking at. I think if I go without Haaland and if I want to take the risk of going without Haaland into game week one, Go with Kane, who's a proven asset, who's looked good. He's got a home game against Southampton, a team two seasons ago now where Son picked up four goals, Kane got four assists and a goal as well. Basically, the Harry Kane and Hyungan Son show against Southampton. And I remember having Son in my team and him picking up like 24, 25 points or whatever it was at the time. And it was just insane to watch. And by no means are Southampton going to roll over like that again. Maybe they will, who knows. But if I was to go with Kane over Haaland, I would certainly look to try and bring in Robertson and then maybe take a punt on someone like Morris as the 8 million midfielder to try and find a way into that City attack. I've been looking at doubling up on both Liverpool and City defences because, you know, two of the best defences in the league. Why not go with the likes of Trent, Robbo, Cancelo and maybe someone like Laporte or Diaz? You could go for Cucurella. That move still hasn't gone through yet, although, you know, there are still strong rumours that it will happen before the end of the transfer window towards the end of August. I think that Laporte and and Diaz certainly offer good value as well and week in week out they will more often than not get you a clean sheet, maybe even pop up with a goal if you're lucky. Walker is an interesting pick. If you want to take the risk on taking Walker as your City defender And fair play. He could still start games. I, I think there's absolutely no reason why Walker won't start the majority of games for City I just think that if they do bring in Cucurella then it's looking like Cancelo and Cucurella could share that fullback role although Kyle Walker when when he's needed he can deliver the goods as well and and, you know he may not be as attacking as those two players but finding a way into that City defense for five million the way that City play as well and and the way that they keep possession he could certainly be a a very good pick at five million what are your thoughts on the Man United assets. Now I know I touched on it earlier, and I do have Rashford in my side. And you know United have looked okay in pre-season. Granted, they've not really been tested, and it is pre-season, and Eric ten Hag still trying to find his feet with the players that he has. We've had the whole Ronaldo saga, and and him not being in their pre-season camp. I think there were crunch talks happening yesterday between Ronaldo and his agent, and I think even Sir Alex Ferguson was in attendance as well. So who knows whether or not Ronaldo will still be there at the start of the season. If he's not. I think Martial could be a very good outside pick. I know you're going to have a very strong opinion about why no one should ever pick Martial. But, I mean, Man United players, certainly going under the radar. Bruno at 10 million. I don't think anyone's really looking at him as a potential player to choose for game week one. I think, you know, certainly he could be someone that we look to later on down the line. Certainly if Ronaldo's not there, you know, Bruno will be back on pens. Rashford, as I've mentioned, 6.5 million. Looks like he could be good. And if Eric Hag gets the best out of him, could be phenomenal. Diego Dallo as well seems to have maybe made that right-back spot his own at only 4.5 million. You were talking about 4.5 million defenders earlier. What is your opinion on, on the United assets? I uh, I actually found myself, I was procrastinating
1: while I was trying to work and watching one of their really crap pre-season games against, maybe it was Crystal Palace. And um, I thought that Sancho looked good. I thought that Rashford... Still looks like he hasn't really practiced football in a while. And I think that's because he's been injured and he's been rushed around a lot. Um, And he phoned it in a bit for a while, didn't he? And didn't train very seriously. So I was looking at them and I was thinking, you know what? They've got something going on here. Um, They weren't necessarily that coherent and a lot of their balls were backwards. But when they had sparks, they had sparks. And and Sancho definitely had that. For me, I've got that one spot in my team. At the moment, it's, it's got Grealish in it. And I just think that Grealish, who comes in between Sancho at 7.5 and, and Rashford at 6.5, I feel like he's he's more dependable. You only get so many slots that you can take a punt with. And yeah, like like even Martial, like it's not like that ridiculous an idea, although I wouldn't like personally do it. And I think that what I would rather do is not have these players and have players that are potentially a little bit more likely to score or have a better history of of or a better, more recent history of being dependable FPL players. And then I can move to them if they're good. And if they're bad, they're not a problem in my team. So the way that I'm building is that I am just i just want to have as few problems as possible in my team so that I can hold transfers and wait it out. Like If Grealish doesn't necessarily score against West Ham, I'm going to be fine because I can see that Bournemouth are coming up and so are Nottingham Forest. And as long as he's playing, I'm cool with that. Same with Jesus. Like if he doesn't perform, that's fine. He's got a couple of good fixtures that I can hold him for and then I can ship him for whoever is performing in that price bracket. Whereas if you have really problematic players like Martial, like Rashford, and they're just looking dead and they're getting dropped and things are going really badly for them, their prices are going to sink like stones if if they do you're going to have a lot of like, they're going to become such high priorities that I just don't feel like they're safe or dependable or that over like five fixtures. I I can really trust them. And that's, that's it. Like if you want to go for them, like, I think that's totally reasonable thing to do. Like it's a punt, but I I just feel like the, the the options that I've picked in their places are players that I think have more of a chance of, of going well and are players that I can just lean on a bit harder. Um, they don't have Liverpool, for example, in, in week three. Uh, they don't play a couple of tricky games. You know, United have quite poor fixtures, in my opinion, and I'd rather go for players that I can safely hold and still feel comfortable holding, even if they blank. That's that's sort of what I'm saying. I don't think they're that bad, to be honest, although I wouldn't look at pre-season results as any indicator of how good they'll be, because pre-seasons are just meaningless, aren't they? 're just they're just for getting back to
2: fitness there's only so much you can take from preseason I, I agree with that point I think that there will be value to be found in that united side and perhaps it is a very much a wait and see um I think one team that I do want to touch on, and I know that you don't have any players
0: from this team in your squad and as a Chelsea fan, what's going on with Chelsea they haven't looked great in preseason. They have you know, lost the likes of Rudigo. It looks like they might be losing the likes of Aspilaqueta. Alonso still may or may not stay as well. You've got Rhys James playing as the right side of centre back. The attackers are perhaps being overlooked. The likes of Werner, the likes of uh, Havers as well, who has been moved to a forward for this season. They have signed a few players. You know, they've got Kula who hopefully will, you know, reassure us FPL managers who have gone with one of the likes of James or Chilwell. Mount looks like he is going to be that go-to guy again when it comes to, you know, the creativity in the midfield. They have also signed Raheem Sterling from Manchester City. I think that that could be a very shrewd pick. £10 at Chelsea, it might be a bit of a stretch. If you wanted to be completely differential and go with the likes of Raheem Sterling, then, then why not take that punt? But I think that certainly they will pay for his strengths. You know, he is going to be a player who is pretty much going to be playing, I think 90%, 95% of the games when he's fit. Yeah. What's your take as a Chelsea fan on on the Chelsea FBL assets? I think that Chelsea look a bit sort of tired. Uh, I haven't watched preseason
1: games in full, but I've, I've caught bits and bobs. I think because it's been in America, it's been very hard to watch uh, anything that isn't sort of highlights and get fan reactions. I think that, from what I've seen, Chilwell looks like he's still struggling with something or he's definitely not at full fitness. And you're right about Rhys James, who's not playing where you want him to play for that price, right? He's playing sort of right side center back. I'm not too fussed about the transfers. I, I think that a lot of people make a lot of fuss about teams losing key players um, and don't realize that the reason these players were key players is because they had good trainers and, and the team was set up in a really good way. And, like there's a lot of other things that go into football matches that aren't that aren't players that stay the same, right? So that doesn't bother me. But the lack of creativity, the reliance on sort of Ziyech and Pulisic, and I guess Sterling. Although I I'm a little bit higher on Sterling than I used to be. I quite like him. Um, could could be quite dangerous. I think they, they, these these things could make Chelsea quite a sort of a touch and go team. I certainly don't think they'll be top three come the end of the season. I, I think Spurs are looking a lot more like a well-trained team than than Chelsea are. So I'm staying away. I'm staying away from all the assets. Um, I thought about Mendy because he came in quite cheap to start with, but he just doesn't make any saves. And I think a lot of picking a goalkeeper is picking a goalkeeper who's going to make saves as well, because you want when they get a clean sheet for them to potentially get bonus points as well. It sort of almost doubles. Like it's almost like a clean sheet is worth more if the keeper's made saves by quite a lot. Um and especially when Raya costs less, it sort of makes sense. For me, I I will stay away from Chelsea until I see something that I like. I, I thought about Chilwell for a while too, and, and and Mount, I guess, to an extent, and and frankly, it's just they're just they're just players that are too expensive and too, as I said before, like um not unreliable, but too many question marks about how they'll perform and how they'll look at least at the start of the season. Come the World Cup, they might have sort of uh got a couple big wins or they might have some momentum and it might be that we're looking at players that are in form. Uh, I think Madison's going to be one of those. I think that towards the, so if you divide the season up into like before the world cup and after the world cup in this first quarter, so the first half of the first half, I think Madison will be not really someone that we own because of Leicester's fixtures. But I think towards that second quarter, Madison could be someone that, that lights up or Mount Um and and suddenly everyone's sort of talking about. So for me, it's sort of like a wait and see, um, but I'm not really holding my breath. And and I don't want to build my team in a way again, where,
2: where I have to then deal with that nonsense after it ends up in my squad. I can 100% understand where, where you're coming from in, in that respect. And yeah, I mean, I think it's a sensible thing to do with a lot of these teams that are, maybe don't, you know, I mean, Chelsea do have an okay start to the season. Yes, they play Spurs in game week two, but You know, the sort of first six, seven games up until that first international break. I mean, Chelsea's first half of the season, I think they only play uh, Spurs and United over those first, you know, 15, 16 fixtures before the World Cup break. So certainly, you know, it is going to be very much a wait and see for those Chelsea assets. And and certainly, I'd be a bit apprehensive to, to double up on Chelsea
0: defenders. I'd certainly be even more afraid to triple up on them, although Chelsea have been defensively sound over the last couple of seasons. I think that there are a lot of kinks to still iron out in that in that Chelsea team. Before we end then, I just want to sort of touch on some of the other teams who do have a reasonable start to the season. You've got the likes of Aston Villa, who, you know, the first four game weeks are, are looking pretty good. And I don't think you'll want to have that many Aston Villa assets come game week five when they do go on a run of playing Arsenal, City and then Leicester. You've got Brentford, who... Again, we've both got Raya. The first couple of fixtures aren't that great, but then they do go on a bit of a good run of form. So I think that there's certainly a lot of uh, potential for points from from the likes of David Raya, maybe even uh, Mbwemo, Tony as well, who is still there and going to be on penalties 100%. I think you mentioned that, you know, Leicester don't have the greatest start of the season, but maybe towards the back end of, of the first half of the season before the World Cup, they could certainly start to produce some appealing FBR assets. Leads are a team that haven't really been talked about a lot in the preseason. You know, obviously losing the likes of Rafinha, arguably their best player. Losing the likes of Calvin Phillips as well. Certainly looks like Jesse Marsh is, you know, bringing in a lot of players that he knows from from his time uh as as a coach in, in America and of course coaching the American national team. But they Start off the season okay, they play Chelsea in Game Week three, but they do have reasonable fixtures in and around that. They're potentially a team that we are overlooking and you know, you mentioned it as well with the likes of um Jack Harrison. They've also signed Sinistero, who looks like he could be okay. Bamford, if he does stay fit for the entire season, could be a good option in in attack as well. Uh Newcastle aside again, who I wouldn't say obviously a lot of people when it comes to Newcastle all the talk is about the Saudi oil money and how they're just going to buy their way to to winning the Premier League and whatever. I think they've been very shrewd with the transfers that they've made. They've reinforced in areas where they need to reinforce, but they haven't exactly broke the bank in order to do so. I think that they are, they're not going to pay silly money for players when they know that they can get better alternatives at a cheaper price. So I think that's a, it's a very good team. You know, again, maybe the first uh, five fixtures... Perhaps put off by the likes of City and Liverpool in the first five, but Newcastle could produce some good assets, and, and of course, they face Nottingham Forest, one of the newly promoted sides, in Game Week 1. West Ham is another team that I want to talk about who, again, their assets are potentially being overlooked. They have just uh, signed the Italian striker Gianluca Samata, who I think scored 17 goals in the Serie A last season. Now, I get it, Serie A is a completely different league to. Premier League in terms of the physicality and and everything that comes with it but West Ham after the opening fixture against Man City you've got Forest, Brighton, Villa, Spurs, Chelsea, Newcastle Spurs and Newcastle might be a bit difficult but West Ham certainly last season they liked to spring surprises on a lot of on a lot of teams and I think a lot of FPL managers were surprised when Jared Bowen came in at 8.5 so more expensive than any of those uh, eight million midfielders but, you know, based on last season and how well he did, I think he could be an OK pick. Maybe not to start of the season, but again, very much a wait and see. What are your opinions on, on any of the uh, teams that we perhaps haven't touched on? Do you think that there are, you know, diamonds in the rough that we could be perhaps talking about come game week three or four?
1: There's there's loads of potential diamonds in the rough. Um, you see them all the time. People talking about their punty teams. For me, I'm interested in Villa more than any other team. Um, maybe also Palace, Villa and Palace, because Palace have a couple of five point five well, they have Eze at five point five, who, um before his injury was looking like the real deal. You you love him. Oh yeah, of course. From from his QPR days. But yeah. he could he could be a legitimate option. Crystal Palace have absolutely horrendous fixtures to start the season. So you get a lot of time because he's probably not going to pop off and He'll probably only ha- like it. May be that he's producing like good stats or he's, he's looking okay, um, but he's not necessarily getting points, which means people won't necessarily jump on him. Um, definitely, someone that I would like to be able to consider is my five point five, or in that sort of zone. As for Villa, they offer similar sort of vibes. Um, I'm looking at ways that I could potentially maybe downgrade my, my 5 million defender to a 4.5 to, to get Neto up to 6. And if I do, then Buendia is is looking pretty good for me. Like, I really like Buendia. I just sort of hope he plays because... Oh,
0: you're not attracted by the likes of
1: Leon Bailey? Well, the truth is, I don't know anything about these youngsters at Villa. <laughs> there, there's, there's Bailey and there's Ramsey, and people talk about them. I saw some threads, actually, on Twitter about it. And I just have no idea. Like, I have no idea how good they are, or whether they'll play. Ramsey last
0: season was was pretty decent for me. I might, I might say.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Because it was. I remember Gordon Ramsey, <laughs> the 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 classic midfield options. I just want to see Villa play first before, and I want to see them playing in competitive football before I I make any decisions on any of their players because they've got so many cheap midfield options, and they have probably you know one of the, like the second best. English midfielder of modern times in leading the team I I get the feeling that they're probably going to produce some really good assets and it could be Buendia it could be Ramsey it could be it could be any of these guys uh it could be Coutinho but I just don't know (laughs) and and I don't want to take those risks I don't know I don't want as I said at the very very start this is the season where I make decisions based on what I know and I'm certainly not going to listen to anyone's advice on Villa um, and start picking kids that I've never seen play because someone online told me to, you know. So um, I like Villa a lot, Jack. Sort of not not interested in picking any of their players until
2: I've seen them play a few games. Are you the same? Like you mentioned a lot of teams there. I think I think Leon Bailey certainly is springing to a lot of people's minds. If they're going with the likes of Neto, but potentially they want to upgrade a different area of the pitch and they're looking for that extra point five. I think a lot of people are perhaps Jumping off of Neto to the likes of Leon Bailey, you know he's put in a good few performances for Villa in pre-season, and I think in the last uh, Aston Villa pre-season game, you know he came off the bench and completely changed changed the game against United as well. So Gerard speaks highly of him, and and he says that you know he is
0: certainly a player who is showing me that he wants to be in the starting eleven come game week one. So he is certainly a player. If you are looking, if you're if you're willing to take the punt on having two sort of budget enabling midfielders in your starting 11 and the likes of bailey and Neto, then you know why not go for it i mean i could downgrade rashford to, to bailey free up 1.5 million reinvest in in my defense go with the likes of uh trent Robbo, Kinsello, and you know maybe even go five at the back i think five at the back for me is i don't know i think it's m- maybe too much uh invest in in the defense although it could pay off um I think, yeah, Leeds players certainly going under the radar. Southampton, for me, a bit of a no go. I think, you know, Southampton will be struggling, I think, come the end of the season and their start of the season, their first four or five games, doesn't look good at all. But, yeah, no, there are, there are certainly some players that I'm sort of putting on the watch list, so to speak, shall we say. I think that that's a perfect place to end it for, for, for our first episode of the 2022 23 Premier League season. And, uh, yeah, we will be back next week previewing our teams before, of course, the Game Week 1 deadline, seeing how much our teams have changed in the space of a week. Nick, thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure as always.